Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Over the Rainbow. The intention of this show is to try to address the different mental illnesses that are out there, especially the ones that I've gone through. Find a way to either alleviate it or manage issues. My name is Bob. I'll be the host. Who is that guy? Welcome everybody to the best of Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. And the real part comes from the artist that I admire. NF. I know it's rap, but Words of his song are really good, and I highly recommend it. But that was the first show, at least revamped, and that brought us into our second show, Home, which I think was one of the better shows of the series. Let me play a clip of Home, see if you guys remember it. As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your That was a great opening song called Home and opened up the second episode, which was about the story of why I call this podcast Over the Rainbow. Let's listen to a little bit more. All right, that was Philip Phillips, home, name is song, and name of the episode. Welcome back. I hope you keep listening. I hope I get more. I think it's a very important topic. And today we're going to talk about home. Last week I went into explaining how the brain gets depressed. Um, it's influenced by inheritance upbringing, and uh, a lot of other complicated things. And all I'm trying to do on this show is give you information. If I don't keep doing that, let me know. 
So then I went into a part of NF's album, The Search, called Interlude. I'm going to play that one more time. My most considered, like, successful moment of my life was the worst, the most depressed I've ever been. Literally feeling like I'd probably be happier if I was just dead. I got a number one on the billboard. My song is massive right now. Like, I may never have a song this big again. My tour, I think every date sold out except one date. So I literally had everything that I had always dreamed of happening, and I felt, I didn't feel happy at all. And so I think what happened was I spiraled really bad, because I was like, I'm here, and if this is it, there's got to be more for me, because if this is it, like, it's not going to work. That was NF, and he's talking about getting famous. He got what he wanted. He made it over the rainbow, but he's not happy because things can't make you happy. I thing that can make you happy, I believe, is there's one important thing, and it's not money. It's not becoming a rap star. It's loving yourself. If you love yourself, that's half the battle because... Exercise, eat right, take your medication if you you have it, go to counseling when you need it. That's the important part because you have to love yourself like you love other people. You want to help other people out. Help yourself first. If you're happy, then other people will be happy. That's what I believe. Words of wisdom by that, or is it whimsical by Okay, then we went into a story that really tells the story of why this podcast is called Over the Rainbow. And then I put the achieving part later. People are scared of the medication. And all I can say about that is it doesn't change you. You're still you. doesn't make you, well, there can be Side effects. Side effects could be bad. The risk. You could throw up. You could sleep all day because of it. Uh, you can get a headache. I had one medication where I had a headache. And I just said, I don't care. I'm going to go two or three weeks and see what happens. And sure enough, it turned out the, the side effects went away and the medicine started working. It helped my apathy. I've gone through all sorts of things in 50 years. And I hope this information helps, and I hope people keep listening. Why do we call this uh, Over the Rainbow? Where did that come from? What's up with that? Well, I think, I think it's a destination that people, I know Dorothy wanted to go over the rainbow. But the funny part of it is when she got there, she wanted to go home. She realized home is where you need to go. And I, I want to emphasize that everyone needs to go home. What is home? Home is safe. 
warm, secure, maybe sharing love with another person. It's where you go and your dog greets you and you know you're home. In my case, it's my Roomba greets me. And uh, I guess, so Dorothy realizes that she wants to go home. That what was over the rainbow was not what she wanted, really. It's nice for a couple hours, maybe. And uh, it's just somewhere over the rainbow is where a lot of people want to go. It's a metaphor. So a lot of people set out on goals and they want to, they want something, some, someone, something, money, power. That's what they think is over the rainbow. What do you think is over the rainbow? Well, my point was only that everyone is trying to achieve something. But when they get there, it's like, oh, is that all there is? I'll play one more clip from home. Um, I think it's important. So let's listen. One of the biggest problems, I think, in the entire world is depression. Why does it exist? I don't know, but it does. And anyone listening to this show probably knows what I am talking about. So what do we do? Well, Dorothy landed in Oz, and immediately she came down the yellow brick road, and she saw a fork. Which way do we go? She she asked the scarecrow which way to go. And I think people have that decision to make. Do we go to self-medication? Self-medicate ourselves? What I mean by that is alcohol, drug abuse. Workaholic, rageaholic, gambleholic, cutters. There are people, I like to call all of this cutting. There are people that cut their bodies up so that hurts and it takes away the anguish and, and, the, and the pain of depression. A lot of people decide that, oh my God, I don't, I don't need medication. I don't need counseling. There's nothing wrong with me that a few drinks won't help. I had a very good friend. After she lost her father, she got very depressed, but didn't go anywhere, didn't do anything about it. But she, she did. She drank. She drank and drank and drank, and her husband tried to help her, and one day she just was laying on the couch after drinking and had a hemorrhage and died. She was only 49. Drugs do the same thing. NFN, Nathan, his mother had an overdose of opiums, I believe, and it crushed him. The people you leave behind are the people that have to be in pain as well. Not just you, but the people that love you. And if you don't think anybody loves you. I love you. That's what I said back in October. Um, and I still mean it. I love my crowd. I love the people. Home was an excellent show, I thought. 
Well, I can't brag myself, but I like it. And um, later on I talk about the Scarecrow and everybody, and they meet Oz, and Oz is a horrible, terrible person. And I think that's our exterior. Um, to, it's exterior to a lot of people. Because they haven't been loved, or they're afraid, or angry. Well, the next show... Well, I changed around a little bit. <laughs> it was people at some point. I like to play a little thing about that. fictional partner Mary who was part of the first episodes and I cut her out. Uh, that was the original people in ADHD. Um, I thought that was one of the funniest things I did, but I'll leave it up to you. So, what happened to episode three? Well, I'll tell you. It became dyslexia. I mean, we all remember a dyslexia episode. I'm dyslexic, so this is all I can do. It's true. I can't even send an e- I can barely email. I spell check for me is like a complete gamble, like 100%, right? Just tells me I'm wrong. And then I get like one in ten chances of like guessing the right word. So I could email a girl thinking, you know, I'm describing myself as a gentleman. The next time I saw her, she'd be like, hey, creep. What exactly is a genital man? What is What is that? Sexting is completely out for me. Everyone else is hitting on each other phonetically. I can't do that. I can receive sex. Girl... A girl sent me a sex recently. How she started was, she's like, I want you to throw me down on your bed. 
I have a loft bed. I don't have the lower body strength we take to get her up and onto the bed. I can't do that. That's not part of my skill set. What I could do, if she wants, after we have sex, I could push her off. Well, I thought that was funny. I was a comedian. I forgot his name. But this episode was the very first interview. I didn't even have a mixer or anything. Um, I just had OBS enable me to have two tracks. One for me and one for my son, the pastor, who has the same dys dyslexia as I do. So here's the interview. is really good. Okay, everybody, uh, we have our guest. His name is Pastor Brian. He's my son and head pastor of his church, which will remain nameless. Um, so, Pastor Brian, how are you today? I'm great. Okay. How are you, Dad? I'm good, but you can't call me Dad. You just call me Bob. I'm just kidding. Okay, Bob. All right. When you first, when did you first know you had dyslexia? Um, I would, uh, I, I remember second grade probably around that time. Yeah. Now, was there like a time where you thought that your your reading got worse? No, I mean I just. Um, it was second grade. I don't really remember that much about it, except, I mean, I didn't really know how to read that well in general, I don't okay. think. All right, so who uh, diagnosed you with dyslexia? Did you go to a doctor, or? We just uh, I think you guys took me to get tested for it, if I remember correctly. Okay, so we we're pretty good parents. Because you, you have problems at school. <laughs> you have problems at school, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't do well in second grade. Yeah. I think I almost, I almost stayed back. I think. Yeah. Did you know that forty-three million people have some form of dyslexia in, in the USA? I did not know. That's twelve point two percent. What did your parents do that you hated? The most. <laughs> uh, well, they took me to a school on Saturday mornings while Saturday morning cartoons were on. So. And what, what what did they do at the school? I think they, if I remember, it, it taught me mostly about like repetition and left to right. I had some kind of board that I had to like rub from left to right as I was reading to try to help me recognize reading from left to right, I guess. I don't really know what it did. It was more about repetition, I think. Did it help you at all, do you think? I don't know. I mean, I um, last time I was tested for dyslexia, I was in my 20s, and I didn't technically, I was underneath the, I was on the borderline of having it and not having it. I was right underneath having it. So I didn't really have it anymore, technically, according to the testing when I was in my 20s. Okay. 
that's good. So maybe so, so, so maybe so maybe it helps. Maybe it worked. Okay, so um, so that kind of ruined your Saturdays, and yeah, uh, you might have got help by it. Uh, well, I missed out on Bill Nye, the science guy. That's true. We watched it every Saturday. Tell us about um, when you graduated high school. You, you said you didn't want to go to college. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and school was never really a thrill for me outside of the social aspect. I liked hanging out with people and being around people more than I liked studying. Studying was never easy, and test-taking was never easy. I still don't think test-taking has been that great for me. Now, how about regular reading? Do you have to read things over to understand them? Uh, <laughs> depends on the difficulty of the read. Um, you know, some things I yeah. can read and take in pretty easily and some things if they bore me quicker I lose focus faster and if there's a lot of big words then I don't then I just don't want to read it yeah have you tried read aloud oh you're talking about like if it reads to me yeah yeah I like I like listening to books all the time yeah so you do a lot of book listening alright easier that way so, what happened later that caused you to want to go to college? Well, I mean, I just figured out there was a point in my life where I realized it didn't matter what. I think for me, it was a lot of stuff that was I was just more embarrassed than I than I needed to be about things, and I started not caring as much about what people thought, and I and I found something that I loved to do, which was pastoring, and I wanted to get a better education. I was interested in it, so I worked harder at wanting to be a, wanting to get more education in the thing I believed in. How, how long did it take you to get a college degree? Uh, three years. So what, what you did on the weekends? No, I was a full-time student. I took three, uh, I took a three-year elevate, I mean, um, a three-year accelerated bachelor degree program so it was full time I mean I did three semesters a year and knocked out all my credits now I'd already had a half a semester of credits that I took when I was 18 that transferred a couple classes and I had some for the degree I was going for I had some um, experience that transferred over as credits because I didn't have to take classes of things I've been already doing for the last few years yeah okay so that that helped uh, so when did you graduate from there? Uh, 2017. We won't name the school, but uh, we had a graduation ceremony, and you dunked yourself in the water, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, okay, so one of the last questions is, how does it affect your life today? Would you say it's just a pain in the ass? Is it? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm sure it it caused. I don't know. It has it has its positives and its negatives. So the negative side of it is it's been always harder for me to retain information um, when it comes to reading and spelling, writing. I'm not a I'm not the best writer. I've become a better writer. Uh, I used programs to help me fix my grammar. Um, technology has made a difference, but it also slowed me down a little bit to where I wasn't rushing through my work. So there's a, there's a two sides.
vibe to it, I guess. Okay. Well, and also you read the Bible today, right? Yeah, I mean, I read the Bible. I read leadership books. I read a lot of things. I read articles about baseball. There's a lot of stuff I read. Okay. You know, school is different for everybody, I guess. I just learned to realize that I wasn't going to be the guy that it came natural to, so I had to figure out how to make it work. That sounds good. Uh, do you have anything else you want to tell everybody about dyslexia? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, a person has two ways that they can operate out of something that they've been given. They can sit there and they can use it as something that's going to cause them to stop being who they are, or they can figure out a way to push forward and become better. And so I think it comes down to the person and what they their mindset is. You know, disabilities are looked at in a lot of different ways. Some people will use them and say, I can't do anything. And some people will use them and make themselves better. And so I decided to go with the one that was going to make myself better. And so I wound up graduating college at the top of my list. Um, I had a uh, uh, 3.9 GPA. And so I pushed myself forward. And so um, I don't, I don't know. I just think you have to find a way to push through it or you can take it and let it destroy you. It's yeah. up to you. That was my son, Pastor Brian. That was a terrific show. Um, so we go from something upbeat to something a little bit more intense. Uh, episode four about my major depression and anxiety that was very severe and talks about how I got through it and recovered at the other end. There's no way to explain the feeling. Uh, maybe it's something like having a real bad flu, but also Sometimes maybe the flu makes you depressed, if you, if you could relate to that. But it was really, really ridiculous. And uh, so I don't, didn't think I could make it. And I well, went to lunchtime, and back then I didn't have cell phones. So I went to a phone booth and I called my counselors because I did have a counselor. I was going to counseling and I did have a psychiatrist who had actually given me given me one Prozac. Uh, so I had, I guess, in a sense, gone. I can't remember if I got the Prozac after or before, but it was around that time and I called my counselor and I said, what am I going to do? I, I'm going out of my court here and I, I, I just can't work. I can't sit at work. It just feels so bad. And she was like, well, um, when you get home, try to just um, watch a movie and that might make you calmer. And I was like, what? I mean, wasn't like I wasn't calm. I was like depressed and anxious and to the nth degree. I mean, 
I remember just after the phone call, I just started walking and it was kind of cold and it almost felt like uh, my vision was warped in a way. But it was really my my brain. I mean, it wasn't getting what it needed. Uh, as I explained in, in, in past shows, it, 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 serotonin doesn't go from nerve cell to nerve cell in the brain, which causes uh, depression. But this this condition, I I, I never. I never faced before. It was just unbelievable. Um, but I only had three days to get through because it was Thanksgiving. So I said, okay, well, I'll do my best. I, w I was like, I mean, almost like frozen. And they didn't put too many demands on me. Um, and I uh, got to Wednesday, and I, I just, it was the worst I felt in my life. Depression was extreme, and anxiety. And uh, that weekend, that Thanksgiving, we, we really didn't do too much. I forgot where we went. Wherever it was, I, I know I didn't feel good the whole time, man. But I was trying to shake it off. I had the Friday off as well. And uh, so I had the four days. That I was trying to shake it off. And now it's going to go away. And I said, I went out and raked leaves. And it's like, I, I kicked the football, try to. Make that make me feel better. It somehow return me to normal, but I wasn't normal. I was whacked in the brain. Uh, I didn't feel crazy as per se, you know. Uh, I just felt uh, my, my mind was just uh, warped and. Yeah, you know, I could think rationally and I could talk rationally, but my mind was just warped. And then, um, and so I knew I was in trouble. So I, I went back inside and I, I, I guess it was like Sunday. I don't remember. It was after Thanksgiving and I just, started to get this anxiety and it was like nothing I ever felt before. It it was centered like in the it was kind of centered in the middle of my chest. And it was like I don't know, it was like poison. That's the best way I could describe it. It was like somebody injected poison into me, and it, and it all just came into the middle of my chest, and I, I, it started to get to the point where I couldn't function, and I couldn't even talk to like my wife or anybody. 
and I was really, really bad. So I called up the psychiatrist and I said, you know, this is really, really bad. I, I don't know what it is. And it's just bad. What are we going to do? And I think I need more medicine. I, I don't know what to do. And she said to me in a certain voice, um, you'll be fine. Don't call me again. And so I was just, I mean, my heart sunk, and it was just, what the hell am I going to do? And my wife didn't understand. She didn't even believe it, I don't think. Uh, but I was in agony. And uh, I didn't know what, what I could do. And I think I called the counselor, and again, she told me just to calm down. And it's just like, and then it started to get worse and worse. And so I said to my wife, I, I, I have to go to hospital. I have to, uh, something has to happen. And she said, I, said, oh, I want a divorce. She, hey, what's wrong with you? Uh, there's nothing wrong. Why are you being like this? So I called my father in a, in a panic, and I said, no, I don't know. I was going to divorce me, and, and, and I'm, I'm terribly sick, and I don't know what to do. And so my father came over, and I just went into the couch into a little fetal position and just was waiting there. And my father was saying, oh, you're going to lose time at work. It's gonna, this is going to happen. How did so, I, I mean, I came to the point where I couldn't stand it. So... I told my wife to, because uh, I, I felt like I couldn't drive, and I I'll tell you, just take me to the hospital, emergency room, and maybe they could do something. <laughs> and it got worse and worse, and my whole body started to feel like I had poison in it, and uh, they so. Since it was like psychiatric, they said, they put me in a room and this woman would wait outside, so it was like a prison. And I was scared to death because I never felt this way before. It was just, I mean, it was just like unbelievable. And I'm, I'm saying, uh, this is it. It was like, I felt it was the end of my life. Well, it wasn't the end of my life, obviously. I'm here. Um, it was a long time recovering. Um, they put me on a lot of medication. Um, finally, I wound up taking Paxil and they gave me some Xanax, which I got off of later on. 2009, I get back on it. So that was a very, um, unbelievable event and what happened was uh, I finally had to check myself into a mental hospital and here's a little bit a little bit about that and so they got me into the hospital and they had to check you like you're a, a prisoner and they, 
a strip search, van strip search. They search you and took my keys away. I guess they're afraid of suicide or whatever. And I came in and I was calling nuts. And, and I said, this is, this is it. I'm, I'm dying. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I'm besides myself. And so finally, um, they examined me and they gave me a, a Xanax. And a Xanax almost immediately calmed me down. And, and the situation of being in a different place seemed to break up to the, the, the craziness. And I began to get calmer. I still felt awful, and 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 it was just tremendous, tremendous uh, depression. I mean, it's hard to describe. It, it just it, I felt as awful as I ever did in my life. So they put me in the hospital. They put me in the beds, and I slept. And the Xanax helped me sleep. And gradually, that day and the next day, things, the intense anxiety was gone. It was just down to a, you know, bad, bad anxiety. Not, like, unbelievable anxiety. And I felt weird because of my depression was making me feel so had and almost distorted like I almost was like thinking distorted I definitely was thinking distorted but I, I never thought I was thinking anything but you know I'm sick you know I wasn't thinking hey you know I'm crazy or something I was just thinking I'm very very sick and so they got you up early like military to take a shower and I felt so awful and the funny thing is that first night I I dreamed and in your, in your dream you didn't feel this depression so that was the beginning of my recovery um, make a long story short I was in the hospital for about two weeks and um, I was still really bad, and I went to a very good psychiatrist. Back then, they had psychiatrist and counseling mixed. This was a uh, uh, ninety-one, and he was really good. And he finally got me on Paxil, which is what I am still on today, along with other medicines. But um, the worst of it was over. Um, you know, every day was, I shouldn't say that, every day was a nightmare for her. It started in December, January, February, I got some kind of flu, so it compounded the problem. March may have been the first month that I started feeling better in 92, and then by June of 92, it was over. 
I was feeling myself again. So the point is that major depressions like that, they go away by themselves in six months. But with the medicine, it makes it a lot more livable. I got off the Xanax and unfortunately I got back on it when I had a little problem in 2009 as well. Well, I guess it's a good time to end part one. Um, I'm only up to episode four, but those are really four important episodes. And um, we'll either go to part three or I'll try to finish in part two. But um, I'd like to thank everybody who's listening. And uh, they know my email address is overtherainbowbob, one word, at gmail.com. My Twitter feed is at overtherainbowbob. At over the rain one bell. So, I also am on Facebook and Instagram. So, post something out there. So I know you're out there, and um, give me some feedback. I mean, we have 22 shows, and I haven't gotten much feedback. So, if you can, if you have a second, just. Give me some feedback, and I appreciate it. And I'll see you on the next part of the best of Over the Rainbow. Achieving mental health for real. Take care. Love you guys.